Hi, everyone. Chris Tywardner here with a bit of a quick content warning. This uh, podcast will contain some more explicit language as well as some discussions of a rather sensitive nature. And we do advise some listener discretion to be exercised at this point. Uh, please take care of yourselves. And if this isn't relevant to you, well, en enjoy hearing my voice just a little bit more. All right. On with the podcast. Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nashville United Podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandez and I'm Chris Jarwardna. Hello. And we're about to review Star Peepers, an episode from season seven of Laverne Shirley, written by Larry Levinson and Barry O'Brien, and directed by Jack Winter. Chris probably has some facts coming up about them later on. Yes, I do indeed. Yeah, I got to got some fun notes about this Ooh, one. Good. Here's what the episode's about. Laverne and Shelley are excited to meet drunken crooner Johnny Velvet when he blows through the black room at Bardwell's, but he refuses to sign Shelley's album and breaks Laverne's camera on the way out. Hungry for revenge, Laverne realizes while pouring over a tabloid that they can get some revenge the old-fashioned way by smearing Johnny's name in a tabloid. Promised two hundred dollars, but a slimy Tidmore. They do their best to sneak into his dressing room for some dirt. Well, then you learn might just end up being manipulated by Tidmore. Are they willing to lie to get what they want? What do you think about this one? That was an unexpected trip. Now, yeah. it, I found it a interesting, almost sort of uh, pseudo sequel to the uh, the Fabian episode, yeah. but done from a different angle. Yeah. And I, yeah. I remember you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the whole elements of them going after the tabloids and the the. Um, the Hollywood rags yeah. was very much them doing commentary on the uh, the way that the papers and the press kind of had a tendency to go after Penny and Cindy at this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For, for like days and days and days and like months and months and months at this point. Uh, Cindy became a target for her personal life, her dating history. Uh, she dated a lot of different guys like uh, Henry Winkler and um, Dave Lander, as we know. And Penny's uh, Meryl breakup with Rob Reiner became a target. They're fighting backstage. So that was kind of the writers kind of giving them a, a little a little bit of mud to the eye, these tabloids. Gotcha. And there is no sympathy for the tabloids to be found <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I yeah. what's kind of special about it is the whole uh, the, the, the Peeper magazine and Tidmore and stuff is that it's a it's done to the level of extreme that's actually pretty accurate yes. to the like the Nash because and especially you and I grew up during the supermarket tabloid era yes. where, you know, yes. it's because supermarkets today are pretty sanitized compared to what they were in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. You yes. know, the stuff that they absolutely had zero like People magazine printed stuff that still shocks me to this day. They got away I with. Know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're not talking about like fond weekly world news stuff where you're making jokes about Batboy. It's obviously not real. Mm hmm. And all the Elvis stuff that was really blatantly not real, you know, you'd have stuff like, um, well, they were they were uh, like following Penny right up to the end, basically. Yeah. And then seeing oh, yeah. like three or four years before she died that she was going to die because she had had uh, a lung cancer that metastasized to her brain, and she was apparently cancer free when she died. She died of something different. Mm -hmm. But they were like Penny Marshall's cancer agony, that kind of bullshit. You know, yeah, that was what the tabloids do. That's, what they, That's do. what they do. It's it's this whole you know how to how to s use gossip to sell papers, and so um, there's a you know there's an almost like kids show sort of message element to these uh, to stories like this on Laverne and Shirley, and I but I felt that this one handled it, handled it with a sort of naive innocence that was cute, maybe fitted more season six rather than season seven, but mm, it was. Yeah. Uh, but it worked. But I mean, I overall, I really like this. There's a lot of amazing physical comedy. There's some really uh, good dialogue. And, you know, for a story, for a a piece that has five, you know, guest characters, because there's the two customers, which I believe are not, I don't believe are credited, but we uh, uh, we do have the names for them because one was um, very visually uh, recognizable. And then the other one was um, was actually in a previous episode. So they were able to make that connection. My point is, is with five new characters, all of them feel very fleshed out and, yeah. and realized, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, they're not just like kind of generic, like, OK, they're just walking by and saying a line of dialogue like Tidmore is a personality. Velvet yeah. is a personality. Even yeah. Marty is a very yeah. realized personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the background assistants feel like real, mm -hmm. feel like real fully actualized people, even though there's yeah. some very clear characterization. You know, people are being satirized here. It's very, very clear. 
Uh, when it comes to Johnny Velvet, you can tell that is a riff on Bobby Darin. That cannot be more clear if you know, know anything, you know. And there's a little Dean Martin in there, too. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a combination. Oh, yeah. I mean, his, his body language is very Dean. It's very Dean. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're crushing my velvet. Absolutely. So, and, and that's the thing we, we have to mention, is that as much as we will get into and gush over Harry Shearer as Tidmore, yes. Harry Dean freaking Stanton as Johnny <laughs> Velvet. I lost it when I, I remember yeah. when I, we watched yeah. this episode together. I was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The, the, what? What? Stanton doing it with show Cause he's friends with um, Penny and he's friends with Michael. I think this is right after young doctors in love happened. Yeah. And it's around, uh, it's, yeah. it's right around that time. Yeah. yeah. He had, yeah. uh, we consider Harry Dean Stanton today, this absolute legend, but even then at this time, he already had worked with Monty Hellman and Peckinpah, Ridley mm-hmm. Scott, John Carpenter, John Milius, Yep. You know, uh, yep, and yep, he's yep. just before and he's getting ready. He's at this point, he's getting geared up to go work with uh, Alex Cox on Repo Man and then mm-hmm. Christine and Red Dawn and Pretty yep. in Pink. Last Temptation yep. of Christ, which I keep forgetting he's in. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so great to see him. And he is adoring getting to be a comedic character actor here because yes. he, yes. he was because I think a lot of like genre nerds like myself have a tendency to remember him more in um Especially in my age group, but remember mostly for um, Alien and Escape yeah. from New York, yeah. and sometimes Re- yeah. and sometimes Red Dawn. But yes. I mean, his his timing in Repo Man, you absolutely see here. Yes. You know yes. where yes. it's it's that that those that that sleazy, slimy like slur delivery that you know yeah. that it's like it's such a carefully paced energy. Yeah, yeah. He never really gets to do this kind of broad comedy, really. So he was exactly. having fun with it. He was having a lot of fun with it. I don't know if this uh, guest role came about just because they were, you know, wrapping up Young Ducks and Love and said, hey, they said, hey, come in. Mm-hmm. Do this part. Yeah, that's a possibility. I need to look at the filming schedules uh, Young Ducks and Love to figure out when the heck that was filming when it came to uh, Wolverine and Shirley's, the, the, the season that was going on at the same time, where we were timeline-wise. Eventually, I'm going to look that up. Because that's yeah, pretty yeah, interesting. It is, yeah, and it, it could even have just been that you know Harry was hanging out or having yeah. a conversation because yeah. Gary was so personable, yes. yeah, that yes. he had this tendency to just kind of bring everybody in as like yes. this big family. That yeah. it may have just been like I want to do more stuff with you, and he's yeah. like, well, you know, I mean, Penny's got a show. You can go. Yeah. We, yeah. we could totally use yeah. a guest star, you know. Yep, yep, yep. You want to be on Laverne and Shirley? Come be on Laverne and Shirley. The thing I though have to mention is Frank Elysia as Marty, the assistant. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Okay. So the chemistry <laughs> between the, those these two is great from this first yeah. outset of you know showing up at the beginning, but this is the director of Separate Tables, Road to Burbank, yeah. and Malibu Mansion, yeah. and the writer of the Collector yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when the writers got to act. Oh yeah, like uh, Fred Fox, yeah. another example. Yes, um, yes. Cindy Beagle is one of the girls in the uh, diner episode mm-hmm. one of the biker gang folks she said mm-hmm. it was oh, so much fun uh getting to dress up like that getting to be on screen she had a blast getting to be a part of the show uh but they did that a lot with the writing team mark sotkins in the festival right right i know in the case of uh frank elysia here um it actually is a bit of a return to for him as an actor because he, he was a comedic bit player in the 60s so he was in like Bla- beach blanket bingo the ghost in the invisible bikini uh, he's even on a, like an episode of Bewitched, I guess, like in the from the one of the later era ones, oh, I think. I think so. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But but I'll yeah. Um, <laughs> but what's kind of sad, though, is, um, you know, because I really liked, you know, his chemistry in, you know, in this episode as a as a character actor. And this is apparently like the last gig of any kind on the show. Oh, and as I far thought... as I could tell, it was the last oh. thing he was credited for in IMDb. So I oh. I don't know what he went to do after this, but, you know. It's uh, it's a it's a trip that he gets to, you know, it gets good. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just it was like, OK, I got to work with Harry Dean. I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. My career has peaked. I'm done. I'm going to be an alpaca farmer. <laughs> Farm alpacas. <laughs> Farm alpacas until they come to shoot vibes in my country. Yeah. <laughs> vibes is so good. Go watch vibes. Um, I have one of, my, one of the very first questions I have about this episode is. Who in the world takes a troop of Boy Scouts to a drugstore for a field trip? Um, a very, very bad troop leader. Yeah. 
<laughs> a very bored troop leader. Either or. A very bored, yeah, a bored troop leader or a troop leader that needed a cover to go to the pharmacist to buy condoms or birth control of some kind. Possibly, possibly. Or, 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 or they just, you know, wanted to get cigarettes. Possible. Right. Oh, any of those things. You guys get them out of a machine back in the 60s. It's true. Anyway. Yeah. Come back yeah. to the uh, so so this this episode you know begins you know to to, to sort of synop the episode. I mean we we have this you know delightful jumping in. This is a really good Cindy and Penny energy episode, and yes. you see it right out the gate with angry Cheryl giving us an exposition. <laughs> you know, go to the drugstore and it's supposed to. And it's like, what is she on a hike to Brazil to look for <laughs> Phil? Oh my god! Uh, and then and then uh, Laverne has managed to get exactly what they needed. Let's get the film twenty cents. Uh, mm-hmm. the girls are, as you know, as you know, they're very season six, season five, they're very naive here. Uh, thinking that this guy really enjoys them, really likes them. Uh, believing that his, uh, stuff, his publicity stuff, that he adores his fans. And the girls cried at all three, all four of his marriages. Mm-hmm. It's, they're being like Fabian level naive. And at this point, I don't know if they would probably be that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird, yeah, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slightly more credible than them drooling over Charles Grodin or Laverne drooling over Charles Grodin, who's basically a nobody at that point in the 60s. That's, yeah. Oh, oh God, I'm sorry. I took a 1d4 psychic damage just remembering that. Oh. Oh, there's two funny things in that episode. Anyway, uh, I love the little tiny bit of physical comedy when Penny swipes the counter clean and a ribbon sticks to her palm. And she kind of goes, yes. tries to shake it off, and that that was very su- very subtle. I thought that was actually going to build into a bigger gag, but it didn't. Right, it, it still works. It yeah, still it works. does. It does. It's very nice. I really enjoy it. Um, this is a throw for me and all who know me. Such a Shirley, such a Shirleyism. Yep. Um, she's so excited. So they're both so excited. They were trying to get actually to the autograph session that was happening in the main body of Bardwell's, mm-hmm. and this. Don't can't make it, and then they, they think they've landed in a pot of jam instead of the JMS flies in it because he ain't willing to stop for them. He's too drunk. Yep, and yeah, Marty is trying, and I love how Marty, as a realized character, is trying to be nice to them and like, yes. uh, you know, sort of like I'm sorry, yeah. and you know, yeah. and yeah, and it's yeah. and it's like he even kind of you can almost practically feel him cringing when yes. uh, when Johnny Velvet cr- calls out, yes. "Pay for the bimbo's camera." Yeah, he is so used. To him pulling these kinds of shenanigans. Yep. You can tell he, this is just one in a million string of uh, women that this has happened to before. And yeah. uh, you know, it's like, okay, all right, I'll pay off the poor woman. Uh, I'll do it yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have the note here about the two customers that come in. There's mm. the one with the, uh, yeah. the, the pretty, there's the pretty Buddha, uh, the person it's, it's, it's at the beginning with Shirley getting really angry yes. and yes. I'm, I'm wrapping some stupid present and then you cue the old lady. And so the, I've got the notes <laughs> on her. I don't remember that there's a second customer though, that comes in. Right. I I'm trying to remember the detail there. I can't really remember what she looks like, but they were very, very, they did a very good job. The little bit of time they managed to be on screen. Yeah. Cause there's, we'll there's credit that. as yeah. the, the, Annoyed customer is uh, the, the older woman is uh, Leota Richards. Uh, she was she returned. Now, uh, we brought her up in uh, fifth anniversary. She's this yes. ubiquitous background uh, player. Two hundred and seventy four credits to her name, including this. And uh, yeah. And and yes, just so you know, she was indeed on an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Oh. I didn't. I found out something on this look up into her details that uh, she apparently previously appeared in Guinea Pigs and New Year's Eve 1959. Oh. Which I did not uh, realize. So I wanted to point that out, especially because she has a little bit of dialogue here. I guess yeah. to speak a bit. Yeah. Um, I wonder if she pops up. I wonder who she is then in the most crowd scene. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Right. Hmm. It's interesting. Okay. So well, um, next time I rewatch those episodes, I'm gonna take a look. Yeah, you figure guinea pigs is probably at the party, right? At the hotel yes. at the end. Yes, yes, yes. That's my guess. She's gonna either be in there or she's gonna be the uh, one of the um, subjects. Right. The sleep experiments. I don't think I know that she's not the person the boys uh, that runs the whole place and boys lavish their attention upon. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that woman was far too distinct. Um, but yeah. But anyway, um, so we get to the next scene, you know, that they're, they're still angry and upset. And they're um, I, I do love the punchline to this scene of Shirley attempting to break the record and it just kind of goes boing off her off yeah. her knee into the into the trash. No into less. Trash. That was that was a great land. 
And they could have they couldn't have choreographed that better. Oh, absolutely. So and so good. as we we move into them at home and they're having a pizza, which I love that this is like their treat for themselves to the point that yeah. like Rhonda Rhonda's little sniffer. Yeah. It's, it's like, can I just have a little piece? She does like the little the sad, you know, me 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 me, you know, sort of. And then they have girlfriend talk, which is really cute. Yep. That it is. Super cute. A peek at my peeper. Uh, I'm very curious uh, who was responsible in the writer's room for that line. Me too. Me too. That's a cute one. What I want to know is who the heck do they trust to get them quality pizza now that they don't have the pizza bowl anymore? Man. In, I don't know about in LA. That's the thing. I don't know enough about, you know, LA in the 60s to know where you would get great pizza because, because that's the thing is, right? It's like, as you're saying, like in the mid 60s, this would, and they're not in Milwaukee. They're not in, in a kind of a, denser city towards the east or central coast because yeah with milwaukee wisconsin they're close enough to illinois you're gonna get some chicago you know roots basically and not to mention obviously uh frank's um ex-new yorker so i mean he's gonna have have the skills so that's a very good point hmm yeah yeah, yeah it's like who do they tra- they have a local chinese joint that they go to which everybody hates because mm-hmm. it's cheap and bad uh, we get several restaurants named eventually uh later in the season they're so bad that the the um, health examiner, the, the health board has shut them down. That's right. Yes, that's <laughs> yes. in. Yes, I, I remember what episode that's in. Cause yes, I, cause I just, yeah, because I, I just did the notes <laughs> for that today. So the best place you could probably eat is in their area is probably Cowboy Bills. And that's a big old chain. And Frank's just squirting on commercialized bottles of uh, barbecue sauce and those ribs and shoving them in the oven. <laughs> so, Pretty much. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, that made me yeah. sad in a in a way yeah, that I haven't yeah. felt in a long time. Well, there is that I'm also fancy craving ribs now. Yeah, me too. There's that fancy gourmet place that the girls go to in high price dates. We never see it again. Those, those... Right, and that was um, was it French or was it Italian? I can't remember. Uh, it's it French. I think it was French because there was I think there was a violinist. And, uh, yeah, yes, there was, and yeah. there was there was an escargojo. That's right. Yes, and yeah. then Laverne goes to a seafood restaurant uh, next episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have the infamous Moby Dominic, which is you know basically a strip war, strip joint with <laughs> <laughs> with booze, and that's all it is. Uh, but yeah, I can't imagine. I'm not. I'm not imagining Frank sitting there just auditioning pizza. I said, good enough. They use too much oil. <laughs> <laughs> this is lighty lousy pizza. It's like they water down the sauce too much. They put too much sauce on it. There's the cheese. What is this cheese? You don't put Kraft and mac and cheese. What's the matter with you? It's a quattro formaggio. <laughs> I can, uh, now I'm imagining Frank ranting in Italian about the quality of cheese. That's something. <laughs> formaggio. I, I'm... Eh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, uh, now I can think of those bloopers uh, where... Um, Full Foster genuinely speak Italian. He does say fungu, which means fucking Italian. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's great. Of course, he, it would be that, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. it would be that. There's a reason why they didn't let anybody under the age of 16 under the set watch a filming of an episode of Laverne Shirley. And that's a good reason why. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everybody it, cursing. Uh, think everybody cursing. Yep. Yeah, we had to... I, I, I won't tell any anecdotes about my movie making stories, you know, because I'm sure people are well and truly tired seven seasons in of that crap. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely something you have to you have to be careful and cautious with from time to time with the uh, with mixed company of mixing ages. Sometimes you even just have to be careful when like you're at some old woman's, you know, house for a location and you're you're like, oh, yeah, the, the, the gaffer is a bit of a sailor mouth. Oh, oh God, no. Um <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, so we, we introduced the peeper and Rhonda's, uh, peeper is able to, uh, get them to give her a piece of pizza. Man, she just goes for it. No, yeah. plate, no, nothing. Yeah. This is the first evidence you really get that Rhonda really is a starving artist. Yep. She is. Before she's yeah. always come off as kind of like a kept woman who can hit up a producer or a sugar daddy for a little bit of money or for a good meal. And here it's like, give me a pizza. Please give me a pizza. Now. Yeah, I, I haven't eaten in a week. Come on, man. I'm Jonesing. Yeah, 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 I'm Jonesing for the pepperoni. Uh, I love that they're just sitting there reading the tablets, pouring over the tablets, actually believing us in the tablets. Yeah, why King why Kong King Kong can't? can't? It's private shame. <laughs> we both man, here's headlines. Venus through his dentures. <laughs> That's another favorite of mine. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, the 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 four ways to keep a man. Yeah, uh, I was gonna yeah. say, do we, we want to speculate on what those things are? Put it put a comment below on the YouTube version or on our Twitter and what you think it is. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, pay in, y'all. Tell us what you think. We're really Tell us curious. what you think, because yeah. we, we've had our discussion about what we think number three is and what number <laughs> and and the one the one that there's two of them and yes. got them broken in just the way that Rhonda likes them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I have one? <laughs> but uh anyway so this is what creates their plan and okay so in terms of the foolhardy silly rash hasty ideas the girls have had scale of one to ten how how rash and silly and stupid and foolhardy is is this plan to go to the tabloids with the the quote-unquote dirt that they have on mr velvet around a six because this is only mildly life-threatening but on the other hand it could get them easily sued so like and the fact that they don't have like the the uh, wherewithal to not put their names on the eventual tape recording that they're going to make, yeah, as you pointed out, yeah, repeatedly, yeah, is like, Ooh, come on, girls, you're smarter than this. But at least they're not literally hanging off of a window ledge in this case. Mm-hmm. At least you know they're not literally endangering life and limb to get this thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, they're not it's uh, running into a German beer spy or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not nearly being drowned. They're not. They're fending off creepy people in uh, at a circus. They're not, um, you know, trying to avoid being getting caught by Fabian by hanging out in the window, a, fr- a frigid window ledge. There's multiple layers to schemes they have done and schemes that they have managed to pull off. And this is on the low deadly scale, so it's six. Yes. Okay. Um, hi, Harry Shearer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my note. But hey, Harry Shearer. Yeah, it's good to see him. Love all this dialogue. It's so sharp. I need to. Hey, too, hey, too, hey, too. I love the really, really cheap lowbrow headline he's circulating and he's milling through. Like, he's trying to dig up dirt on Lassie. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me she's living with a chihuahua. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I remember he, I, 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 I have it noted as tell me she's sleeping with a chihuahua. And you corrected me that yeah. it's living with a chihuahua because they couldn't say yeah. sleeping with at this time yeah. on television. Yeah, I'm 90% sure they couldn't have gotten away with sleeping with. They had enough problems with standards and practices oh, God. at this point. Seven seasons in, they lost. I think I was. I think it was a grand total of three sponsors to two different episodes over time. Wow! And and they still managed to get a lot of fairly mildly racy smut for the family or for what's supposed to be a family sitcom on the air. That's impressive. Why? I'm not going to be surprised. I suspect if uh, you tell me that neither of those two episodes that lost sponsors. Uh, Neither one of those were the bully show Road to Burbank. No, no. Episode number one, believe it or not, was Who's Papa? Because uh, oh, people, people were upset about the way uh, uh, adopt, the adoption speech went. They thought it was a denigrating adoptive parenthood, which wasn't the intent. And they thought it was um, denigrating because Shirley was so scared. She's so relieved that she's biologically a female. So they, they read that their way. And people got what letters and that get. In the case of I Do, I Do, obvious. Oh, Banned yeah. to hear it from here to Kingdom Come. I think they lost Gravy Train as a sponsor. Uh, I think it was Ralston well, Purina or something because of that. Well, as long as long as, uh, as long as they still have the Gravy Boat, I'm sure they're fine. Eh, yeah. Oh, you're going to laugh about that uh, remark. Oh, a good uh, 10 episodes, 20 episodes from now when we get into season eight. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll so you need our own Mr. Anyway. T- so Mr. Mr. Tidmore is uh is you know the sli- yes. slime bag trying to get dig up dirt on Lassie. He's got files on Goofy, and yes. uh, he immediately has this like ri- you already find out like he's got this rivalry with Johnny Velvet, and I I love that idea that they don't just go to a tabloid; they end up inadvertently going to the tabloid who has it out for the guy they're trying to get back at, which again is just, it's very much the girls and they're naive. Like they stumble into the best slash worst case scenario. Yeah. 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 They both have a guy who's willing to get, you know, trust them with all the stuff and give them a, a tape recorder and shove them into the field. And yet this guy will do anything to sell issues. Yep. He will lie his buttocks off. Mm-hmm. He will do anything. He could, I can imagine the kind of legal fees they might get stuck with because they trusted this idiot. Oh, certainly. And he is a big old idiot. Yep. He oh. is. And uh, and he's also definitely got an accent going on. My theory is Harry's trying to go for Australian. Yeah. And 
That's that's. I'm still gonna stand by that theory. It sounds yeah. like it. It's Australian but. with a note of something else. I can't tell what the heck the other note is. I think almost like kind of like a uh, cigar chompy kind of see here kind of. Yeah, see. Not here, quite yeah. Brooklyn, but almost. On yeah, that see. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also, again, going coming back to the Penny and Cindy energy, I I, I want to make sure before we move on from this scene that, yes. of, of coverage. I love them talking at the same time, and there's something that Shirley's trying to get out, and Shirley goes first, and she has the same, essentially the same line delivery and body language the second time. It was awful. It, I just, yes! I love that. It was, the, the repeat, it was awful. I love her grabbing uh, Shirley and putting her in her lap and trying to, trying to get her to deliver this story the way it needs to be delivered in her mind. Right, oh, which is just terrific. straight to yeah. the... Right to the slug line. Just get me that headline. What? Yeah. What's the sizzle? It's the sizzle. you know. Uh, there's, there's a great quote from Sam Fuller uh, interview. It's it's like it's like uh, every story has got to have a hook. What's a hook? <laughs> it's just, it is the story, and it's got to be. It's got to smack them in the face with the the truth, or you know, some such thing like that. But uh, yeah, but watch interviews with Sam Fuller. People, he was an incredible character. <laughs> yeah, uh, you gotta love a good character of a director when they're not a creep yes yeah i love that but that was really good i always thought it was a slime bucket (laughs) um back on track to the episode the uh but yeah so yeah they get the agreement they get the dough they're because they essentially get like an advance right to uh to go get the dough because essentially so tidmore is the it you know is definitely one of those i i again about the realized characters like he's he's taking this chance and there's a really good believability it's not just like uh kind of broad strokes caricature it's like you know he's gonna get what he's gonna you know he's gonna get what he's gonna get because he's already knowing he's gonna fix it all up and he's gonna fix it in post quote unquote yeah to get what he wants get his bias uh you know He's going to post-composite Johnny Velvet into a pool filled with pudding and 12 Playboy models. He's already got that in his head. Even though that's not what he he runs with later on, that's what he's got in his head. That kind of stuff is what he can go to if the girls come up with nothing. All he needs is a couple of little tiny truthful audio segments from them. Exactly. So we move into Act yeah. Two, which is now the the them sneaking into the dressing room at a TV station. It it seems to be like for like a uh, yes. one of those variety shows. Yes, yes. And uh, this is a hell of a set piece. Yes, it's a yes. the the time again. The timing is great. The body language, the blocking's great. It's um this felt. It's interesting that this is a Jack Winter episode because this feels yes. more like a Zwick one, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, the stage you know, it's is got really that good. similar energy. Yeah, stage is really very good. open. Very open staging, very uh, very expansive staging. I, the way they film, uh, Velvet singing Mac the Knife, which haha, Mac the Knife, I see your Bobby Darren references once again. Uh, <laughs> and the, while the girls dance to the tune of the music, uh, going completely off script and off their plan to freaking uh, get what they need to get done here. Yep. Is, uh, it's like it's beautiful. Oh, and sneaking in the way that Frank Elysia's delivery of sneaking in is like, hey, yes. hey, ho, ho. Yes. Oh, 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 dear. <laughs> yep. Oh, that was all wonderful. I deeply, deeply enjoy that the girl's idea of trying to sneak in and stay there when Velvet comes back unexpectedly is to get on those racks. Yes. And get not the- just to get like to really be yeah. off the rack. You know, oh, yeah. in the in the coats, <laughs> yep. the uh, yep. the hang the hanger sisters, you know, hanger I mean, sisters. yeah, you a joke. and it's like you, you, I love the setup that you you know they're gonna reveal them in the in the coats, you know, when yep. they bring the they bring in this dresser of these things, you know, the yep. coat rack in, but you're yep. not sure where they're gonna and how they're gonna pop up, and the fact that he's even able to like roll them along, yeah. on the uh, you know on the hangers is, is such a great detail. It really is. It really is. It's beautifully handled. A nice little bit of physical comedy. Um, the labor violations alone here are horrifying, aren't they? What Johnny expects of his assistant. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, God yes. Yeah, it's it's the uh, your costumes are terrible. Get naked. I'll be back. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the worst part of it. That is absolutely the worst part of it. Uh, I'll get naked, Laverne, and Laverne's running around in fancy underwear. It makes me. Feel me like fe- they make Cheryl. me feel like a woman, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not surprised that she doesn't own 40 million things from Victoria's Victoria Secret. doesn't exist yet. From Ferguson Hollywood. Yeah. She's wanted to see Ferguson Hollywood for 40 million years. She's there in the same town. She probably owns 40 million things with the nipples cut out of them. 
uh, at this point. Uh, anyway, yeah, but um, of course Laverne automatically becomes the uh, physical bait here, but uh, that is that fortunately, you know, is what happens. Yeah, yeah, and and not more. to mention also when she was as she was saying as she was trying to see if she could get Cheryl to do it, which was yeah. adorable in its own yeah. way. Who dad made you all fun? <laughs> Great line. Anyway, so they they end up you know hiding for cover as uh, yeah. the two is as as Johnny and his assistant come back in. Yeah. Marty comes comes back in with them. The booze is gone. The chicks are gone, and one of them won't have pad Marty, <laughs> and he needs to punch something. And that's when we get the reveal about the other services that Marty does. For Mr. Velvet being a punching bag. Poor guy. That I my oh man. And it's there's something so pathetic about the relationship because you can see Marty cares about the guy. Yeah. He's looking at he's looking out for him because he cares, and that probably the very rare times he's uh sober, he's probably yeah. fine. He's yeah. probably a good friend. But yep. oh my god, yeah. yeah. That awesome. and yeah. uh yeah, and then that per again, pitch perfect timing of getting the picture at the punch, grab the coat. And I, I love she grabs the coat as she run as Laverne runs out, leaving Shirley behind, but she has the coat that she was attached yep. to, which is a, yep, it's a yep, wonderful yep, yep, bit yep. of uh comedic yep, blocking. Yep. yep. You can't say that Laverne wasn't trying to save her there. <laughs> yeah. She was trying, but well, she has to run uh. after her. Yeah, it's really good. And so we we come into we come into uh, our final our final act, which is yeah. them uh, coming back to Tidmore with this uh, uh, drink any booze, a bust of any furniture, and uh, you know because they've got audio of Shirley dictating all the stuff they're doing by name again. Just my God, yeah. head explosively stupid. I know, God, why? Why they're smarter than this? They're so they, yeah. much smarter than this. And now we have Tidmore creating his narrative, becoming the fake yeah. that he really is. Um, yeah, this, I yeah. found yeah. this interesting. Um, you know, we, I've talked about before, you know, about how uh, Shirley, you know, used to create these narratives, right? These fantasies yeah. that she had to make for herself to kind of talk herself out of the depression of what she's really living. Yeah, I, I have been very glad to see that she's not as susceptible to that. Yeah. And since getting to California. Yeah, it's as you've said, like season seven is, you know, these characters growing up and that definitely yeah. seeing her not get swept up in. The, you know, because I, I guess what I mean is a sign of her not being as attached to that idea is the narrative that she builds for Tidmore about his re- Johnny Velvet's records cause acne. And then none of the yeah. young people are going to are going to uh, yeah. buy the records. Yeah. A, it's very Cheryl. It's very yes. innocent. But it's also a terrible idea compared yeah. to some of the other ones she's had in the past. Oh, yeah. yeah. We rarely see Shirley's balloon fly in this particular season, except, you know, uh, with uh, It Only Hurts When I Breathe. She, she starts mm-hmm. fantasizing about going to medical school. She never gets followed up and should have been. But mostly she's very much living in the reality of where she is. And so are the girls. Uh, they're inching towards 30 can- canonically. And they are, you know, less prone to flights of fancy free. And yet still get impressed by these celebrities and still like react childishly when they get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that little bit from Shirley and how hard she's trying to sell this. The cigar bit is really great, too, by the way. I love the, oh, my God. The cigar. Yes. Oh, it's it's great. He says <sighs> he didn't hit that fan. Uh, am I hot? <laughs> am I hot? Am I hot? Yeah. And eventually, so we end up having to deal uh, with the question of morality. Is it worth selling out and lying your fanny off to get revenge? And the girls decide not to take the money. Well, yep. You- What's interesting about this is the story that eventually gets spun out of the information they give him, which we'll get to at the end right. of this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact now, now y'all have morals all of a sudden. Now all of a sudden we have morals. And the girls, yeah, are not willing to turn him in, so to speak. Yeah, it's a. Uh, there is a sense of like their anger flares up, but it flares yeah. up for like a couple of days practically yeah. to pull this yeah. off. Yeah, and. Yeah. And it, it that, that felt like a stretch for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're so mad at this dude that they're willing to ruin his life. But then all of a sudden, you know, when given the opportunity, all of a sudden it's not worth it if they're going to have to lie. And like everything else that was happening before is just exaggerated truth, kids. Like, <laughs> it it kind of seems silly that they're backing down at this point, you know. But uh, on another level, it you know, it, they kind of realize, oh, yeah, it's wrong. We're, we're we're good people. We're better people than him, basically, and they are. Right. Yeah. It's it's the the whole like you know it's like you know I learned something today. Sort yeah. Of thing. But yeah. Well, it's, but I feel music. like lesson learned music. 
Yeah, I mean, but I felt like it was a decent showcase of, you know, just the tabloid BS. Like, it, yeah. it, it showcases it very well. And especially at a time when we're far more discerning now than we yeah. used to be. And yeah. it's, uh, which which is to say most, most people, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're that discerning because we have, you know, the whole circus about Olivia Wilde oh, and her yeah. salad dressing. Good point. And we have stuff like Kanye West trying to start his own, basically, factory towns. Uh, just happening the economy yeah oh god yeah. yeah we're recording this just for reference if this seems like wow that was from a long time ago yeah we're recording this when this is all new yeah to us. and 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 i i kind of want to take a drill to my head like uh like max cohen at the end of pie you know no. just to make this one go down turn it off turn it off <laughs> um i just had a question though coming back to the tabloid stuff because this would be relevant I noticed there was a portrait on the wall. Now, that could have just been like a headshot of one of the actors that they knew or a friend of theirs. But was I mistaken or did that look like a picture that Tidmore had of Lupe Velez on yes. his wall? I'm 9% sure that it is Lupe, uh, one of my uh, film idols, so to speak. I'm 9% sure that's a shot of her. I have to take another look at the footage. But yeah, I think he has a picture of her on his wall. Hello from the future. It is I, Chris, in the editing room. I have actually been able to track down the photograph in question with Lisa's help. It took some doing, but it turns out I was in error in the recommendation that it was probably Lupe Velez on the wall in the photograph that is now being discussed and will continue to be discussed uh, as we go into talking about her career and her being treated by the tabloids and things of that nature. As it turns out, after quite a bit of digging for quite some time, uh, it is actually a relatively obscure portrait photo of Vivian Lee circa 1940. That actually is the case. The visual will be placed here on the video version of the podcast. We wanted to maintain the conversation uh, at this part of the podcast, however, though, because although a bit grim and bleak, it does cover some of the kind of more realistic stuff about tabloid culture and the likes, which is relevant to the conversation. Anyway, that's the disclaimer. On with the podcast. Wait for the bell. Which, uh, given what you and I have discussed about, you know, and we know about her, uh, what happened to her, that the tabloids were not easy on her either. Oh, which no. Which is interesting. So. Oh, no. It, is, it wasn't even, like, the tabloids were hard on her when she was alive. Uh, the stuff about her drowning, which wasn't even true, and her suicide, uh, is completely untrue and was uh, fabricated by Kenneth Anger. Right. Which, God bless Kenneth Anger, groundbreaking filmmaker. Uh, incredibly important in the history of queer cinema. Hollywood Babylon was full of shit, and you hurt a lot of people with it. Because both things can be true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Both things can be absolutely true. Uh, he said damaging, uh, untrue things about Clara Bow in there, in his book. Ugh. And he said absolutely untrue, damaging things about Lupe, even though he's very kind to Lupe Bellas in uh, this chapter about her, but he repeated the lie about her drowning in a toilet while trying to commit suicide, and that's not true. I think it's sad that most of my generation knows Lupe as a joke on The Simpsons, coming out of John Waters' mouth. That There's the toilet that Lupe Velez drowned in. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what everybody in my generation knows her as, and it's not true. Uh, what happened was uh, she was pregnant. She was a very hardcore Catholic. Uh, she got pregnant out of wedlock uh, by a loser actor. Uh, said loser actor refused to marry her and then said that, you know, he had never agreed to marry her. It's just a contractual thing to give the baby a name. She said basically, you know, screw you. I'd rather die and kill the both of us instead of um, having to live a sham marriage and all that stuff. At one point, she was considered going to Mexico and giving birth and then adopting the kid either out to her sisters or, you know, coming back, you know, doing the Loretta Young thing mm -hmm. that she had to do when... Um, Claude Gable allegedly raped her. Um, but she decided instead to commit suicide. Uh, she did commit suicide, and uh, successfully so, uh, but she did not, none of that stuff about drowning and puking everywhere happened. So. And now all originated with Kenneth Anger, and Kenneth Anger just repeated a lot of, you know, old Hollywood gossip that people used to whisper about in queer circles. So most of it, some, a little, some of it was true, most of it was not. And the especially damaging stuff was not. But now, you, now our audience is listening to me rant about Lupe Velas. So 
Yeah, no, well, see, that was the plan. Life. That was <laughs> the pl- that was the plan. Just so you know that that this this is on my list of notes to make sure that you you got the chance to inform our fans of this. Anyway, on a lighter note, uh, moving back to this episode in question, though, I I and it's, I guess to, to to tie this together to get a little bow on this is uh, on this topic of discussion is I wonder if there were any people who worked on. Uh, Laverne and Shirley that were aware of Lupe Velas and aware of the tabloid gossip and all of that and just felt like that was somebody who got a raw deal and they put and so you know yeah. we're saying this is if this is this is us you know um conjecturing if yeah. that is the case I'm just curious if that was the the possibility of why that picture is there because you see it pretty prominently behind the girls in yeah. their uh medium shot so yeah. I like to think the props are down for this fan I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. But anywho, um, I do love that they use the recorder recorder that yep. you know he essentially paid for. Yeah. Uh, although, well, essentially paid for, but I'm pretty sure that's Shirley's recorder that she used in. Um, uh, but seriously, folks, yeah. as well. Yes. Yes. yes and yes. they use that to get it over on Tidmore. And you know, if you write one word about Johnny Velvet, I've heard of him. And thus, the girls have won the day. Yes, they have. And I will say, I think it is very special that they they're not only just able to take kind of you know as you're saying uh, this moral high ground about like okay maybe maybe we shouldn't do this but then also get stop the bad guy from doing a bad thing he's going to do bad stuff to other people but at the very least there is some small victory to be had there's one subject that he can't go near yeah 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 there's one thing where the girls have claimed victory and they have gained that moral high ground and no, nobody can trod upon it evilly. Uh, that to is be very fair, the guy was going to mo- mock up a shot to make Johnny Velvet appear to be punching his own son in the face at a birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which amazingly, Johnny Velvet, is, that's the one sin Johnny Velvet apparently has not committed. The one yeah. sin. The one sin. <laughs> <laughs> like, God knows what he did to his, uh, his four wives. God knows. Oh. Uh, especially at that time. I, yeah. But um, but I mean, you know, if if that's not true, then I guess why Tuesday Weld hates Wednesday night is also not true. Monday nights. Why she hates Monday, Monday nights. Night. Yes, I love that line. Poor Rhonda, semi-disillusioned. Johnny Velvet yeah. signs new back, the Hanger Sisters. Yep. And that's how the girls and find that's... out that they're a tabloid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's the case. That's why you don't go into bed with these these freaking people. This is crazy. Yeah. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it ain't with swimming with snakes, basically. I mean, I don't like snakes to begin with, so I wouldn't swim oh. with them anyway. Poor so snakes. there is that. <laughs> I there they, some can be very cute, but listen, my my father's from Sri Lanka, is near ah. you know an equator level country. So ah. yeah, sna- snakes. Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. He snakes. got chased by a he got chased by a black mamba when he oh. lived in Malawi when he was a, when he was fifteen. So, I remember the story. I remember that story. Yeah, his uh, his granny had to had, yeah granny had to come with a machete and just yep. hack that sucker. Yep. So. Yep. 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 Black mamba with the really poisonous ones. You gotta do that. Just mm-hmm. get out of the way of them. Yep. 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 So. Uh. Okay. So in front of the camera, behind the camera. So Harry Sure. Sadly, Yay. I believe this is his final appearance for Laverne and Shirley. It is indeed. Uh, he was already at this point a character actor in a ton of projects. And this is uh, around the time, you know, he popped up in a little known film called This is Spinal Tap, which I, I guess is well liked. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yes, I hear it goes to 11. But he uh, is easily one of the most prolific comedic actors of his generation with over 730 episodes so far of The Simpsons. Yep. My yep, God. yep, 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 yep. Uh, was was part of the movement among cast to get everybody paid more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, continues to be a huge part of The Simpsons. Uh, is gearing up ads of uh, the time we are recording this for Spinal Tap Two, and yeah, he continues to continue on. Is very funny on Twitter as well. Yes. Oh yes. Always will be funny. So behind the scenes, behind the camera, we have uh, Jack Winter. Larry Levinson, Barry O'Brien. So Jack Winter, as we mentioned, he was a writer in season two. He directed To Tell the Truth and Watch the Fur Fly. 
Uh, this is his fourth of five episodes, and the next one up is actually going to be his last one for the show. So I'm actually not going to go into too much detail. But uh, the thing to mention is that it appears for as a writer, because he wrote a lot of TV, or predominantly his career was for TV. He had retired, it looks like, by this point. But he had had a run from 64 to 1977, including episodes of The Monkees, Hey Landlord, The Odd Couple, and Sirotis Court. So very interesting. Now, the writers themselves of this episode, Larry Levinson, uh, his writing career doesn't last too long after this, his first credited writer gig. But after a Joni Loves Chachi episode, working on the Mission in Action movies, yes, the ones with Chuck Norris, and a TV special about Kenny Rogers, the guy becomes a producer. And holy shit, he produces a lot of stuff. He mostly makes TV movies through the 90s and 2000s. But so far, so far. He has 233 producer credits to his name as of 2022. And they run a pretty they run a reasonable gamut. I will notice it. I will say it seems to be mostly faith based networks that seem to give him the money most of the time now. And that might be his personal belief. And in some cases, people are secular and they just make the movies that pay them. So that's sometimes what happens. We know Eddie Mecca. Right. A lot of uh, faith based stuff was the end of his career. Yep. Yep, yep. And then his writing partner on this was Barry O'Brien. He wasn't on Laverne and Shirley Long, but he uh, had uh, kind of worked in the writer's room, I think, as a a, um, consultant. But he had already done uh, two Happy Days episodes before this. And then after, he also is on a couple of uh, Joni and Chachis. A lot of different TV scripts in the 80s, uh, particularly kids television, which is the fun part about this is Barry O'Brien, the co-writer in this episode, worked on the 86 Ghostbusters series. The Blondie and Dagwood shortwood, uh, short-lived TV series, Fraggle Rock, Muppet oh. Babies, and even an episode of Brave Star, which is a very obscure one-season wonder cartoon that I only just found out about while looking up cheesy cartoons for work. Um, I've heard of Brave Star. I remember I've heard of it long, long time ago from my youth. That is interesting. But he was uh, then a producer and writer on Perfect Strangers and She's the Sheriff with fellow Marshallverse alum- alumnus. He worked on six episodes of Getting By with Cindy Williams and stayed producing and writing sitcoms through the 90s till he ended up creating Hannah Montana in the aughts. Cool. Okay, that's neat. He also wrote about two dozen episodes of CSI Miami. Wow. And even recently wrote a Law & Order organized crime episode in 2022. Go him. I'm glad he's still active. Yeah. I'm glad he's still with uh, with us and still, still writing. Still going on, still, still kicking, producing. Still kicking butt. Still yeah, kicking. exactly. So, yeah. so you still got a, the writers. One of the writers is still writing, and one of the writers is happily producing a crap ton of movies. Hey, uh, wow. uh, Levinson, if uh, if you need a director for any of those, uh, I, I I know a guy. Just, just hey. FYI. Need, you need a script. I'm the I, know, guy. I, know, I know a gal. I'm the guy. I know <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so that covers the behind the camera, in front of the camera. That covers our notes. I am out of notes. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up uh, in terms of like the, the tabloid stuff with the girls? Any other stuff yeah. with the characters, the actors, whatever? Well, the only thing I can think of with the tabloid stuff is the worst tabloid article I've ever read about the girls was... Uh, it's something that was published, I think, in a, uh, ma- in a Midwestern magazine that they did ahead of, uh, I think it was a Midwestern magazine, some, some kind of tabloid. Uh, they did an interview after they had uh, been down to New Orleans to be Grand Marshals at the Mardi Gras Parade, and they ended up on SNL. Mm. And the entire article addressed them by their characters' names. Oh, God. Not only that, and it also spotlighted how how they were talking about, well, we're drunk the whole time. It was like, Jesus. It was terrible. It was not good. That was prime example of the nonsense tabloid stuff that they were subjected to. Wow. I'm like, the tabloids, we would do it just to, just because America needs to hear the truth. Lost tickets you under bucks. Uh, okay. Yeah. Man, that, that, oh, God, that hurts. <laughs> uh, it was bad. Uh, it was, I'll show you the article eventually. I have it saved because I couldn't believe it existed. Yeah, um, that's that's one of those like I I need to hold on to this so that people will believe me, and it's not some sort of weird cosmic dream that I had. It's like having to sculpt the uh, idol of Cthulhu after you have the nightmare when he awakens. Gave me one less tentacle. Uh, okay, okay. So I guess we're ranking time. We are. Uh, this is gonna be a decent like six and a half for me. Yeah. Um. A little bit behind with a five. It's a middle leveler for me. It's fun. 
Uh, there's some tragic commentary to be had about tabloids. Terry Sherman gives a really good next Really good performance. Everybody's given cracking performances that are really funny, uh, but it doesn't stick out for me as anything like extremely interesting. It's worth it if you really, 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 really like to hear tablet commentary on tablets. And if you know anything about the girls' backgrounds when it came to satellite journalism, it's going to be extra um, interesting to you. So that's why I say if you if you're looking to give this one a shot, it's not a necessary one, but it is a good one. Yeah, well said. I I agree to to many extents about it. I think the reason part of what pushes this up for me is that the components I liked really stood out because it's better it's more consistent in its directing than like most of Turbovich's second half of season six yes. mater- material yes, for me. Yeah. Like T- Turbovic had a very rough up and down. It's kind of balanced out now, but like this is a much stronger directing job it makes everything it makes as you're saying because i agree that you know it's kind of middle of the road like even as like a script and a story it doesn't have like an extra like emotional oomph or anything but it's the execution that makes it come to life and that is a lot on the director and the really really good uh in front of the camera guest talent this this episode yeah 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 the talent really elevates it harry dean stanton is so good Mm-hmm. He's so good. He is having a ball playing this pickled idiot diva. <laughs> he is having so much fun because this is the kind of character he rarely, 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 rarely gets to play. I was actually reminded to a degree of Dean Stockwell in Blue Velvet. This was a yeah. tiny degree. Yeah. Yeah, with the, the, the whole um, uh, the In Dreams scene. Yes. 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 Uh, the whole sartorial choices reminded me very much of him. So Absolutely. That's what popped into my head. Very fitting. Yeah. But cool. So I think that covers everything for today, my lady love. It does indeed. All right. Well, cool, everybody. We're going to have ourselves a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll uh, get back with a post-amble on to this episode. And hopefully you'll stick around for what's coming up next and uh, where if you want to get in touch with us, how you could do so. All right, everybody. Thank you again so much for joining us for Night After Night. And if you would like to know more, you can find us at Night After Night Pod on Facebook, WordPress, Tumblr, Patreon, or YouTube, or wherever great podcasts can be found. We are also at Night After Night PC on Twitter. If you would like to get in touch with us a little more directly, keep up with like watch along parties that we do and other sort of, you know, shenanigans and things of that nature. We have a nice little bit of a community that's developed over over time, and we're really happy to be able to be supported by so many wonderful folks both in our community and our patrons so with that uh yeah so i'm, I'm trying to remember what's next lisa what, what what do we have we have an unfortunately memorable encounter with yet another cheater uh laverne dates yet another married man this time she finds out he's married when his wife turns up at a restaurant where they're eating can she claim revenge while scuba diving in a fish tank this is an affair to forget a revenge while in a fish tank i mean is there a harpoon gun? God, I wish. Right into his crotch. Well, we'll find out if that happens next week on Night After Night. Thanks, sure folks. Will. And remember, if you have a chance to get revenge on a pop singer, don't say your real name into it. They have a recording device. Why? Call yourself something like Lemon Pledge. Bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.